Ms. Ostapenko has no challenges remaining. Welcome to No Challenges Remaining on night nine of the U.S. Open after day nine. I'm Ben Rothenberg, joined fittingly, I feel like, for this match we're going to talk mostly about, which is Ben Shelton beating Francis Tiafoe in four sets by NCR's youth correspondent, Alex <laughs> Gruskin. All-American boy you are. Alex, thanks for being it is always a pleasure. How old, at what age, I should say, do I forego that title? Is it when you find someone younger to replace me? I know you've been hanging out with Gil. Is it like, I know he's two years younger than me. Does he now become the youth correspondent? I got to hold on to that title. That, yeah, you're as hold- long as you're call- yeah, as long as you call me that, I'll feel young. So, you're call- holding on for now, but this is a, this is a part of this episode is going to be about you know, being the young guy, not lasting so long necessarily. You know, you can feel like <laughs> you're the old guy, Francis Tiafo, suddenly, and maybe your window is... Is passing you by. I mean, who knows? Let's get dramatic about this. So, really quickly to run through the other results of the day in the singles, the quarterfinals was the first quarterfinal day. Some really uninteresting matches, honestly, happened. You're laughing, but there's no arguing this. I'm not here to show well, for the tournament. It was not a good no, day for the tournament. USO. The reason I'm laughing is it's an uninteresting day. So in your head, you're like, oh, I'll invite Gruskin. That's perfect. Like no, that's I, how but, I. But see I care it. about the last <laughs> match. I care about the last match, which is why you're here. Which is why I'm doing this. So Coco Golf rolls with ease, six love, six two over Yelena Ostapenko. Ostapenko looked just dead after that big effort late night against Shiontek. Tough scheduling for her, I think, to get to play first match on. I think it was a, after playing last match in the night match, previous match with the heat and everything, I think it was rough for her. I think she probably would have lost anyway, but just, you know, we said she goes hot and cold, and this was two opposite extremes very quickly to each other, and both are part of the Ostapenko experience. Can't have one without the other, for better or worse. And then Novak Djokovic rolls Taylor Fritz in the second day match. As kind of expected, I don't think many people thought that'd be a competitive match, really. And then the first night match is another lopsided one: Carolina Mukova beating Serena Kirstea, uh, with another first set bagel. Lots of bakery products being dished out. No bakeries in the big match of the day, which was Ben Shelton versus Francis Tiafoe. But a couple of decisive, you know, things sandwiching it. Some six two sandwiching either end of this for Ben Shelton, who wins it in four. The match really turned. We can get to sort of the the scoreline of the match. The match really turned in this, as you hear my dog barking after midnight, which I'm sure everyone in the household and neighbors love. Uh, match turned in the third set tie break, where Shelton was serving for it up six five in the tie break, hit two back to back double faults, huge choke under normal circumstances, but then he goes closes his eyes and swings as he sort of said <laughs> afterwards uh, down set point at six seven and hits a scorching. 105, I think they said, mile per hour forehand winner. Yeah, steps around it and cracks it, and then wins the next point as well to take the set 8-6 and runs away with the fourth 6-2 to beat Francis Tiafo. Uh, this was obviously a significant match in a lot of ways. These are two young African-American players, you know, who are meeting in the quarterfinals of, a, of the home slam. This is a culturally significant tournament, and also just for American men's tennis, again, getting three guys into the quarterfinal stage for the second slam this year. Also had uh, Taylor Fritz uh, glossed over. He was there, too, as the third American playing today. And it's interesting that the last guy standing, the lamp, as we say in my culture, <laughs> or the last American man playing, is for the first time Ben Shelton, who is 20 years old and younger generation than these uh, the classic sort of next guys coming, which was Fritz, Tommy Paul, and uh, Francis Tiafo. So I'm looking at this, Alex, and I'm wondering, also seeing... I almost wish we had the the result, the Alcaraz Zverev result, also in the books too, because it thematically fits in this potentially. I think Alcaraz is a big favorite in that match with how, especially with how how long Zverev played uh, deep into the night to be a sinner, and that was a physically rough looking match. Um, but you never you never know uh, in this where he has beaten he has stunned Alcaraz in a Slam quarterfinal before at the French Open uh, last year. But yeah, it just seems like this generation is officially taken over. It's like the kids who are 
can't buy a beer in the country legally and Novak Djokovic, who who doesn't drink anyway. So that kind of seems like what what it is uh, in tennis right now. Is do you sense that too? Is 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 the younger generation? This is one result. So maybe I'm getting carried away. But is the younger generation uh, leapfrogging right now? So yes and no. I think is the fair answer to that question. The yes case is a little bit easier to to make. The game has one superstar moving forward on the men's side. I'm not saying there aren't other extraordinary players, but I am talking about global superstar, transcends athletics and sports, and people will just be a fan of on the men's side. That's Carlos Alcaraz, Mm -hmm. and he's 20 years old, and he's the face moving forward, and everyone's mentally, physically, I think emotionally prepared for that fact. And by the way, he's earned it. Two slams at 20 years old, world number one. He's won 90% of his matches this season. The list of people who have done that, it's Borg, Federer, Nadal, Djokovic. There's your list. I, I, like, I, I get that in the broadest sense of the view of, is their window closed? Well, you think that once the big three go away, now this window's going to open. Guys like Medvedev, Tsitsipas, Zverev can have their time. That's not going to be the case. But why I think the no case is more interesting is because when you look for American men's tennis, and it's so fascinating for us because you were kind enough in December of last year to come on my show, a show we're going to do yearly, our American predictions each season. I was going to mention this, yeah. American tennis has had a fantastic 18-month run. Really, you could say since Taylor won Indian Wells. Yeah, From that moment yeah, yeah, to now on the men's side, there's been this emergence, whether it's Taylor winning Indian Wells, Francis at the U.S. Open last year, Tommy semifinals, Ben quarterfinals, the Australian Open to start this season. You know, Taylor's been a perennial top 10 player now for 18 months consecutively, which is really hard to do, and he's in a position to make a second consecutive tour-level finals. That's not easy. Shelton, Tommy, they're top 15 guys, and in the broadest sense, it's worth noting that for the first time ever, they all protected seed. Like, you know, Francis Tiafo, Tommy, Taylor, by seed, they were all supposed to get to the fourth round, week number two. Mm-hmm. You know, Taylor was supposed to run into the buzzsaw. That is Djokovic uh, in the quarters. I think all of us predicted, given Rude, Runa's form, one of Tiafo Paul at the time, I phrased it, an American is going to come out of that section. Now, that American ended up being Ben. Yeah. But I think why the most interesting answer is no is like, yeah, Alcaraz is good. Sinner's awesome. Runa, Ben, all these guys are exceptional. But all these, uh, but but it's one match. Like, this is one match. It's one result in a vacuum. I don't think this gives Ben and this next generation of Americans, him, Sebi, et cetera, like a definitive leap over what the prior generation has accomplished. Like, to the most part, the Tiafo Paul Fritz generation, they've delivered on the highest expectations yeah. for any young generation of men in a while. Like, they're all top 15 players. So I, th- I don't think that the window's closed yet. And there's two different ways to look at it. We'll look at both. One within the American ladder, just itself, and then another bigger picture ATP ladder. Because, again, I mentioned I, w- I wish this Zverev result was in the books. But let's assume yeah. that Zverev does not win the U.S. Open, right? That's all I really need for this argument. And that Rublev doesn't win either, right? Yeah. Which And there, and there are two probably the two least likely people to win just on paper at this point, the tournament. So assuming that they don't win the 2023 U.S. Open, Tsitsipas, Zverev, Rublev, Throw in Felix Ojeali-Asim. I don't know who else you want to put in this group. In this demo. Casper. Has Casper. to be there just because he's made the slam finals. All of yeah. them. And Hotchinoff, let's put in there too. I'm just looking age-wise. People who were in the next gen. Who were at some sure. point next yeah, gen. The original eligible. crew. The, the original one you're missing gen. is Medvedev, obviously. Medvedev, sure. But I'm, the one I'm going to say is they are all in position to finish 2023 slamless. This whole group. True. 
Will and this is and what when did Next Gen happen? Twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen. When was the first one? It was twenty seventeen. Uh, twenty seventeen, yeah. even yeah. So these are like the next guys, and they have very very little hardware to show for themselves at this top top level of the sport. Again, assuming and maybe I'm reverse jinxing something here for, for Rublev or Zverev, but I I I just think it's I think it's notable that Alcaraz is outpacing them, and we see someone like Shelton and Tiafoe's in this group too. Tiafoe's obviously not been up there as a perennial top ten or like those other guys I mentioned, but Tiafoe's in this group too, and we just see. The next guys are better. That's the thing. That's when Alcaraz is like when Alcaraz is pigeoning Sitsipas repeatedly, right? Which has happened in their all their meetings. Sure. You're just sort of like, wow, like you were the guy and now you're not the guy and, and and the future can come fast is what I is what I see watching this match. And especially especially in this particular pecking order, the specific more to go way zoomed in, of even like black American tennis players. Like Francis was the guy, and obviously that's not a rankings category, but Francis was the guy, you know, culturally whatever. Huge, huge star, all the NBA guys coming out to watch him and lots of, you know, just huge, huge star power at the U.S. Open. And he will not lose that. But he loses to an even younger, arguably flashier in certain ways, a, a young American. And he just looked, it, it looked like a torch passing kind of thing. Not as dramatically as Alcaraz beating Djokovic in Wimbledon final, not as dramatically as Naomi Osaka beating Serena, let's say, in a U.S. Open final. But, like, these are pre-ordered now. Naomi Osaka biography coming out January 9th, 2024. <laughs> It's got to squeeze it in somehow. Always. Always. I do it on my shows, even when you're not there. I appreciate that. It felt like a torch pass, or at least like a an upsetting of the order in a meaningful way. I'm not ready to agree with you on that okay. point, because I think I don't think it upset the order, though, at least. Even just said it was like, it was like an upsetting no, order but, but I'm not ready to... I'm I'm not ready, uh, but I'm not even ready to go there with this win. Okay. I think the the, the thing that's sh- what's so impressive about this young group is how ready they are for success in the immediate. I also mm-hmm. think, and this is a debate of were Ferrer, Burdich, all these guys who lost in the quarter semifinals consistently, were they better players than the group of top contenders we have right now? But there's more parity in this era. And even through that parity, it's just worth comparing guys like Chilich, Nishikori, Gofen, Dimitrov, Rayanich, the proposed original next generation after the big three. They did not have success to the level that this original next-gen crew is. And what I mean by that, obviously Medvedev, like Chilich, the only guy who got a slam title. Medvedev with that 2021 U.S. Open title. But beyond that, Zverev has made a slam final, and he's now made, I think, double-digit quarterfinals in his career, which, let's be clear, he's 26 years old. I think he already has 300 wins. Like, because he started so young, he's going to be in the top tens of a lot of record books. Come he's already, like, number career. seven all-time in prize money yeah. for ATP. I mean, yeah, he's, he's, exactly. He's, he's, but he's collected a lot of these things, but at the same time, he's still... I think that his 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 runway to the top is, is so much more crowded or cloudy than it was before Alcaraz showed up. B.A. B, yeah, but, before Alcaraz. but... So that might be true, but that's why you say cloudy. It's because we've seen Kasparud make two finals. Three, we've seen Stefano Tsitsipas three, uh, three finals. Excuse me. We've wow. Stefano Tsitsipas make two finals. We've seen Berrettini make a final. Like a lot of these guys, to their credit, have done what the previous generation was not able to do, which is be the best of their generation in a given event, find themselves in a slam final. And you do wonder when the Djokovic of it all disappears. You know, again. Who's the guy who can just get lucky in that one event that Alcaraz loses? Because all of a sudden the number goes from two tier oneers to just one. And I do think because 
Unless Alcaraz rips off 17 straight majors, which I've predicted. <laughs> so you claim, you've claimed I've predicted something similar on this podcast in the past. I will dispute that till the death. We can check the tape on a different day. Um, like These guys are going to have chances. They're going to have bites at the apple. And that's why I'm not ready to say that this was a passing of the torch moment or a passing of the torch sort of season. Yes, again, 30,000 foot view as I conceded at the top. Alcaraz is the guy to beat. But after that, all these guys, you know, Medvedev, Zverev, can't say Tsitsipas right now because that matchup is just so horrible and he has struggled in specific ways. But Kasper on clay, you know, again, Rublev's made, I think, five straight quarterfinals. I don't think he's ever going to get to that top tier, but another guy you just know you're going to have to go through. Obviously, Sinner, Runa ascending as well. I don't know. I think there's a broad spectrum of ages, but they're all in that 21 to 26 age. Like, it's not fair to say their window has passed because they're not even close to post-prime yet. You know, Medvedev turned 27 this year. Like, that's smack dab in the middle. Yeah. Look, I'm just saying it can feel like you can just see the headlights in your rearview mirror. Objects are closer than they may appear a lot of times as, as they warn you on the side of those cars. Like that's, that's what the sense I got from this match too, because again, Shelton is so new with this. This is only his fifth major that he's ever played. Like we can go and, beyond that. Ben. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Carry no, on. no, I'm just, I want to talk about, we'll get into Shelton more directly yeah. in, in a bit, but I'm just saying watching him again, because Francis, and again, I don't think that Francis is done or washed or whatever. I'm not saying anything like that, but I'm saying like, this was Francis's tournament. Francis was the main character of this slam yeah. from an, from the men, American men's side by far. Even though he's ranked one spot below Fritz, he was getting all the ash spots. He was he was the guy, yeah. and and he's the guy who's ranking in tons of uh, advertisers and stuff like that. He's he's the star of of American men's tennis and of this generation. And he's just and even uh, even beyond the U.S. Like you see him at Wimbledon, he's doing ads in Australia. He does ads. He's a really globally popular guy, Francis. But then again, you just see this twenty year old guy who shows up. Coming out of college, completely no pedigree at the pros outside this one run in Australia he had. And he's good enough to match and equal Tiafo on a big stage, a night session U.S. Open, which should be Tiafo's best possible environment. And today, Shelton was better. And I, I, I was just struck, again, the sort of like life comes at you fastness of, of this whole thing from a big picture situation. And and again, we'll, we'll get to Shelton and what makes him good in a, in a, in a bit. But... I, yeah, I just see this as, again, especially if we get Alcaraz uh, beating Zverev. And I don't expect Alcaraz to beat Medvedev because he's owned him. He also beat Tommy, the prior exactly, round. Like, exactly. again, yes. this was supposed to be a crowning moment for the 97-98 crew. You know, again, Taylor won Junior U.S., Tommy won Junior French, and yet it was Tiafo who won the Kalamazoo that featured all of them. Tiafo, the Orange Bowl champ. And he was number junior number one. Yeah, he was he was good. Yeah. Le Petit As. Yeah, exactly. Who had did done all of the things. And this group has all ascended together. This yeah. was their crowning moment. They're all in the round of 16. There's a chance they all go head-to-head, maybe with a spot at the final in the line if everything breaks well. And you're right. To some sense, Ben came and crashed the party. Yeah, exactly. This stat comes out there. You know, Ben is one of six Americans to win 10 slam matches in a season before turning 21. The list is jaw-dropping. They're all slam champs. Agassi, Courier, Chang, Sampras, Roddick, mm-hmm. Shelton. That's the list now. You're on a list like that, you have American fans' attention. And, 
you know, you add that with, I still will go till this dying day and we'll have this debate on our podcast in December, that Sebi Korda's month of January was the best month we saw from any American man. And I like, I know he hasn't been injured this season, but you know, now you see this world where again, Sebi and Ben are really good, really fast. And Tommy Taylor Francis have just clawed their way. And I mean claw to the top 15 and like now is supposed to be their moment to shine. So again, I see what you're saying in that what's looming in the background, objects appear closer than they view. I think that's the best possible thing for these guys is it's just like, oh man, like I need to keep getting better. I need to keep pushing forward because I'm not where I need to be because these peers are right on my heels. And I think, again, it's a rising tide lifts all ships. Like, I think that's the scenario we have in American men's tennis for the first time since the 90s. And that's my takeaway is that American men's tennis for the first time since we've known each other is healthy. And that is just, I mean, you know, I'm a glass half full sort of guy, Ben. (laughs) That's sensational. I I don't think that Tiafo is feeling that rosy about what happened to him. It's fair. As we record this less than an hour after the match ended, he's got to be crushed because I think he was looking forward to getting a chance at Kraka Djokovic, who's the ultimate sort of overdog in his – yeah, it won't be a night. It'll be a day session, actually. Well, that was such a good point by you. I just want to make that – because, you know, people don't tell you enough when you make good points. Um, That's that's an off-my conversation. That's such a good point by you to the sense that – this was Tiafo's crowning moment. Exactly. This was his moment. And let's be clear. 30,000-foot view, though, if I'd have said Francis is going to make the quarterfinals at the U.S. Open this year, if I'd have told you that in December, wouldn't you have been like, yeah, it's a good result. That feels about right for him. Like, it is so fascinating to keep that perspective with the idea that, yeah, Ben stole his shine here tonight. It's, I actually thought that as the match was winding down. I was like, okay, I was processing this to be a quarterfinal exit for Tiafo. Is that good or bad? And he's gonna he's gonna be not satisfied with it because hundred percent. It, it, it's also you can't just judge things. Quite horrible from, tonight. From on paper, he was really bad tonight, and it, it's not it's not unlike in some ways Jabir Wimbledon. Yeah, like you know making it back to Wimbledon final, and especially the wind. And Tiafoe didn't have anything like the wind that Jabir had en route to that Wimbledon sure. final. Jabir's row was unreal. But then to get that far and then to to fall flat is. And Jabir and Tiafoe did not fall anywhere near as, fa- as flat as Jabir did on that day. This was not that kind of a, a no-show or just a, just a being dead uh, kind of performance. And I think Ons was physically dead as much as anything after everything she had to do with that tournament. But, yeah, I, I don't think he's happy. I, I think he's he's left wanting more. And, you know, this was a good season for him in terms of stair-stepping a bit. He got into top 10, which was a big goal for him. That's, that means a lot to him. But he's going to slip a bit with not defending the points now. Uh, I'm curious to see what he does for the rest of the rest of the year. But yeah, and, and maybe and having bet on his tail does ignite something in him. That's the best case scenario. And that's what you're sort of saying. And maybe it will. But I also just think, I just wonder if, you know, if Ben is sort of, I keep, t- I keep telling you to watch Showgirls. You got to watch Showgirls at some point. <laughs> I know. It's on the you know, list. It's a different conversation. But, you know, at some point, <laughs> someone younger and hungrier is going to be behind you on a staircase and just give you a little shove. And, and, you know, that's what happened. Spoiler. Sorry. But, uh, no, you know what the difference is, is I invited him to our group chat. I call him Gil Gross. He's a very nice guy. <laughs> um, yeah, a little younger, a little shinier. <laughs> Both, but it's just, you know, honestly not true. But he, Gil has not been on his area. He will someday. Let's get to the. Can I Amer- give you one more American yeah. men's stat just on that note, though? Because Please. shout out to our guy, Joe Kelly, one of the originals on tennis Twitter, no longer on it. But Oh, man, I haven't heard that name in a while. Yeah, I know, but still kind enough to. We still text from time to time. Sent me this stat. Last time six different men from a country made the quarterfinals at a major in the same year. And let's be clear, again. Now this season, Fritz, Tiafo, Paul, 
Corda in Australia, yeah. Eubanks at Wimbledon, Shelton at both. Those are our six. Last time that happened, 1996, it was the Americans, Agassi, Chang, Courier, Sampras, Washington, Martin. Yeah. It just feels like all season long we've been saying first since the 90s, first since the 90s, first since the 90s. And now we finally have the slam where it all came together and for it to be in New York as well, just an extra bit of poetry. It feels like you come out of this and thinking, oh my God, it might have been an A- minus season for the American men. Maybe not quite an A because we didn't get a Masters title. We sniffed around one, but A-. minus. Like, and, and it's been... Two decades since we've said that. A slam final, at least. Yeah, and, that, I and those agree. and those are the big numbers that are left. It's twenty years since American Man won a, a slam. You may have heard since Andy Roddick yeah. won two thousand three, and then also Andy Roddick was the last finalist in two thousand nine at Wimbledon of a major. And and look, Ben Shelton has a shot in this match against Djokovic potentially. If he, you know, crowd will be on his side. And Djokovic is obviously very very good against against partisan crowds. We may have noticed at points in his career, but it'll be a new matchup for him, and he'll be probably has not watched. He just watched a lot of tennis actually. Djokovic very high key good student in the game. He will have a scouting report on Shelton ready to go even before he was knew who's going to play this guy uh, in this huge match for both of them. Forty uh, seventh major semifinal for Djokovic is absurd. These numbers are ridiculous. Not he he can go further. I think Shelton can win that match. He's the kind of disruptor who can just get hot and and play and can can hold and do things and, and just look like a really complete player. And obviously that third set was really kind of wonky with how many breaks there were, but it showed that, that Shelton could break a lot, which is not something we really knew he could do reliably. So that's going to come in handy a lot in his his career to be able to do that. I want to talk about Shelton, though. You alluded to this podcast we did last December, predicting the top 10 American men for uh, the year. And you had, well, actually a couple different people. The one you were definitely better on than me as it shakes out so far is Tommy Paul. We haven't really mentioned him because he's out of the tournament. Tommy Paul delivering and coming to be a cusp, almost nearly top 10 player. He's a top 15 kind of guy right now. Did not see that coming for him. He's been really, really solid. So professional. Top five in hard court wins this year. Yeah, all the, all the things that I kind of got early impressions of Tommy, what he was going to be like as a pro, and he's really shaken off that reputation in a lot of ways and become just a very, very solid, diligent, you know, hardworking, consistent guy, which was not his rep. And that's impressive for him to transform himself like that and mature that way into his mid-20s. That's uh, so good for him. I will mention uh, a couple people. Eubanks, obviously, is on the ladder. Neither of us had Eubanks anywhere near as high as he's going to finish on this ladder. Uh, I think Nakashima is probably the most disappointing American of the year after his next-gen title win. He did not win a single match at the slams this year. Brooksby, but Brooksby is extenuating circumstances more. I mean, he got suspended. Yeah, but that suspended. was disappointing. <laughs> it, it's, it, it, is, it is disappointing to get suspended uh, for missing drug tests. That is true. It's a word for it. But I want to talk about Shelton, who we both rated very highly. I had – you had him, I think, five or six on your mm-hmm. list? I think I had, I had him five and you had him three. I had him three. I was yeah. so high on Shelton. I had him ahead of Tommy Paul, which is why I mentioned Tommy Paul. And he, we'll see how the rest of that year shakes out. It, Paul's ahead now, but not uncatchable if, if Shelton – maintains his uh his current trajectory i am yeah super impressive but also like i just knew from the time i saw him that like he's the player who i think is this mythical player who's been missing he's like the kind of lab created player where he's like someone who played football and was a great athlete but we got him to switch to tennis like that's exactly <laughs> what we've been talking about forever when like when people went in the days when you know, it was John Isner left holding the check at the end of slams for many, many years. And John also bows out here as end of an era in that sense. But John having his last tournament here at the Open, we talked about him in uh, day two of the tournament on NCR, if you haven't heard it. That was what we were talking about was all the people who didn't play, all the American men, who male athletes who didn't pick up a tennis racket and choose tennis was the issue. Not so much that 
John Isner was not going far enough as the top guy. It was the the lack of a cavalry. And in this one example, Ben Shelton, you know, is is the kind of missing athlete we've been seeing. And I remember seeing the first time I saw him in person in Cincinnati, 2022, beat Casper uh, Ruud there. I don't court 10 or what Porsche court, the best court in the world, whatever they call it now. It keeps changing names. And just seeing him and be, seeing this guy who's like built like a, like a wide receiver or something, just his build does not look like a normal tennis player. And it's very twiggy generation of your Rublevs and your, your Medvedevs and your Zverevs who are all just like thin, thin guys. This is a guy who's like physically strong, again, sort of classic NFL kind of build and seeing what he's been able to do that breaking these, these or coming close to breaking these records for fastest serve. We haven't seen anybody serve in the upper one forties in a long time, which has been great to see him, him touching that showing that wasn't, wasn't, uh, a lost art because it's kind of weird that that happened for a while people were serving it's almost like how we used to have space shuttles and now we don't in america and we used to go to space we used to do that and now we just kind of stopped going to space but now space is coming back space travel and the serve clock is coming back with his rocket there on a, of a serve see what i did there rocket space travel anyway yeah. yeah it's okay well i thought we were going to get to talk about the militarization of space and why that's not a good idea for the world moving forward i haven't read that we'll ronnie for... reporting yet about Elon's. Yeah. <laughs> i haven't read that yet that's on my to-do list but <laughs> exactly the kind of plug we put on a, on a daily entry uh gonna, that's podcast. after the naomi osaka book which by the way you can go pre-order now and everyone can get their manuscript thank you actually in uk and australia they can pre-order it now too they may not so know that like but to. they can also pre-order uh, i'm not sure about other markets but it is out there take a look and let me know if you can't find it i'll help you find it all right so we have <laughs> i just want to step back what why did we have you, you can talk for me too here because i've been talking yeah. so much why did we why were we so high on shelton what made shelton special and how is he delivering that in these moments because he has okay we'll say it before i finally shut up he has not delivered in between these two ten pole results in, in melbourne and new york i mean he did not win consecutive matches at any tournament for a lot of tournaments over the course of 2023. But when he, when it matters at a big, biggest hardcore tournaments in the world, he's, he's delivered. Uh, so what is it um, that makes him so good? And what was the sense about him even in college? I know you obviously you cover college. Yeah. What was the buzz about Ben Shelton in college? Well, we'll go through the full story here, the abridged version, I promise. First things first, you know, it's interesting, uh, just on the multiple wins, he did get one challenger quarterfinal in Cagliari on clay, which is only relevant because he's played like 10 clay court matches in his life. But you're right. He won consecutive matches at three events this year. Cagliari, Australian Open, and the U.S. Open. And yet, because of that, he's on the list with Agassi, Courier, Chang, Sampras, yeah. Roddick. Here's your list of NCAA singles champions who have reached slam semifinals. McEnroe, Kevin Curran, Tim Mayotte, Mikhail Pernfors, now Ben Shelton. You know, again, it's just like, it starts, you know, I'll never forget, and I'm going to name drop here, so buckle your seatbelts, everyone. I was talking to the GOAT, Colette Lewis, who was oh. one of the people, I think, fortunate enough to go down to Orlando for Boys 18's USTA Winter Nationals, which features some of the best juniors in the world. Colette, mm-hmm. of course, the greatest ever to cover junior tennis here in America and more broadly. She calls me. And shout out to Colette. I love getting, there's nothing that hype, brightens my day more. Uh, I get a photo of her and it just says the goat. And I always, you know, again, it's a must. And a photo of her out. in the hat? In the hat? Yeah. Oh I mean, my God. Have you ever seen her without the hat? No. And so, and she goes, hey, you know, I don't know if you've been hearing this, but I'm hearing a lot about Ben Shelton. And obviously one of my best bits I've ever done because you can't go two minutes hearing Brian Shelton or on a Ben Shelton broadcast, you're going to see Brian Shelton. They'll go, there's Brian Shelton, top 50 pro 
father of Ben, I go, you know, I was interviewing him at the National Indoors this year. I go, hey, I didn't know you were a top 50 pro and father of Ben. Like, this is new information. Like, what, did this just come up in the past six months? And, he, and I got a good laugh out of him. Look, he's the son of a former professional. And it's just worth noting, like any child in life, things vacillate. You go through, oh, I want to follow in my parents' footsteps to actually I want to reject everything they throw at me. And there was an era for Ben, 12 to 14, when a lot of young players dive into tennis full-time. That wasn't him. He came a little later. And that's why when Colette called me in 2020, it's the first time I had heard any Ben Shelton buzz. He wasn't a Le Petit Oz champion. He wasn't at the Junior Slams. He enrolls at Florida a semester early, where his dad is the head coach. And that's where the buzz started to generate. Now, he played five singles as a freshman. I'd point out top 50 player Yannick Hanfman also played five singles as a freshman. I guess that's the spot you're looking for if you like trends. But I'll never forget NCAAs. And by the way, he went like 26-9 and nine his freshman season, which at five is fine. His team ends up winning the national championship that year. And I'll never forget, I was sitting with someone, then an assistant, now a head coach, and it's probably insights like this that has him rising up the rankings. He looks at me, deadpan in the face, and he goes, Ben Shelton will be better than Dennis Shapovalov in less than five years. And you know I love hyperbole. (laughs) So right away, I'm like, all right, coach, you have my attention. Like, I'm sorry, what? And he goes, just look at his shoulder. Just look at the way he's able to explode through serves. And... The best quote a player has ever given me. I'm allowed to swear, right? Yes, it's for of the quote. It's not me swearing. It's 1 a.m. Let's go. Yeah, thank you. I was asking a player, so what is it like to return Ben's serve? And the player goes, well, look, if he makes it out wide, you're just fucked. Because if he makes the out wide serve, it's either going to ace you, or even if you get your racket on it, it's a serve and volley, it's a plus one forehand, you've lost the point. He's also bigger than you, faster than you, and stronger than you. You think you can out-physical him, and then if you don't have the pace to hurt him, you know, again, he just gets into this whole thing. Yeah. Now I'm using his words, clouding into my analysis, but it's like he has the physicality. If you don't have pace, he's going to bazooka a second serve return forehand by you to fight off a set point as he did in that moment. He's got massive gumption. Like you just, you know it when you see it. And he has it, that innate belief that I always say comes from why college tennis can be so beneficial. Is it just, it's really cool, Ben. Here's a hot take. It's really cool to be the best in the world at something. And I know college tennis is a small subsection of the world, but for a full year, Ben was the best player. The best in a world. In a world. Exactly. In a world. And he was the best college tennis player in the college tennis world. And the confidence you get from that, the swagger you get from that, particularly if you do it well as he did, you just see it on court in every match that he plays, never backs down from a fight, injects his terms into every match, obviously can fire the bazookas of a first serve. You also feel like he's still learning how to play tennis. Like, he's fine absorbing pace on the backhand. The forehand can be tough. The return numbers are not kind analytically, but obviously when you can fire a 140-mile-per-hour serve, you can get away with a few things. The crazy part is he's 20, and he's already this physical. And you're like, well, he's going to get better at tennis. Like, if he can already do these underlying things so well, he already gets how the game works, how to think it. Again, I get back to what this coach told me, and this was at NCAA's 2021. Two years later, I ask you, I'm offering you stock in Denis Shapovalov or Ben Shelton. 
which one are you buying, Ben? Because that might have been the finest insight I've ever been given. That's a good. That's a great call. It's a great call. No, I mean, I like I said, I was I was buying Shelton Stock last year heavily, set putting up number three when he was outside top hundred still, or barely top hundred, whatever he was. Definitely outside top ten for Americans. We made this list. Yeah. Instead of vaulting all the way to number three. Uh, no, he was inside the top 100 because he had the big challenger push. Okay, at yeah, the he, end got, of he got direct year, into right? Australia, and but and, barely. And the he got, ca- exactly, he got but barely. barely into yep. direct Australia. Yep. But, but I'm saying, anyway, he was not in the American men's top 10 when I put him in number three yes. uh, at the end of that year. And look, I I saw him in, in Cincinnati in 2022, a match that was really under-discussed and probably maybe will go down more in the mythology. But he steps up and beats Casper Rude in that match, who yep. is between slam finals that year, who goes on to make the final of the U.S. Open yeah. in his next tournament, and he goes into the U.S. Open fresh off an L to this kid ranked in the, I don't know, 400, 600s, whatever Ben Shelton was at that time, 200, I don't know, something high triple digits. And, and yeah, he's just, he's special. Like, I just think that being a lefty, having that kind of power, yeah. having that kind of serve, you hope he stays selfie. And then there was some early concern in the broadcast. Uh, James Blake noticing the cupping marks on his shoulder, hoping that's nothing serious, I'm just preventative. And he, you know, he didn't hit 149 tonight, but given the night conditions, he still fired down some aces. So you hope that the body stays together because what he can do is great. And he's not done physically developing. He's still, you know, as 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 well built as he is, he's not, you know, doesn't have the muscle definition of a of a complete of a Tiafo even of someone who's, you know, fully fully formed and just to add to that because tonight obviously again he earns the four set victory in what can only be described as horrifying conditions just the humidity the heat these guys were drenched in sweat in the first 20 minutes and i was like i don't want to see any bathroom break twitter chatter if i'm the chair umpire i'm actually saying all right guys we're gonna pause the match you know Ben, you need to go change. Like, this is an issue right now. You're sweating a lot. I can. There's a significant waft coming up the chair on every changeover. Like, Rule, go change. Rules need to change about this stuff. I mean, like, it's kind yeah. of ridiculous that we're putting this strict rules on bathroom breaks and changes of clothes when guys are literally causing hazards with dripping sweat on it, the court with this. I mean, we saw this not in Not to get back to weaponize. Yeah, not it, to get back it, to yeah, weaponizing it, space, but did you see the report? It's like five degrees hotter Celsius on average during these matches than it was five years ago. And, mm. you know, players are spending, I think it was like 32 minutes longer on average on court. There was some report that came out in Reuters that was fascinating on this topic as it pertains specifically to tennis uh, because it was U.S. Open-centric. And so just to point that in the we, direction of we all talk about this listeners. More. We'll, but we'll do more about this in the future. It's also, I want to mention that in terms of the Ostapenko match. Ostapenko was dead out there. And for the, sure. It, one, one thing I think is also... Also, and I'll leave it at this, and then we can wrap up this episode. Soon. It's getting kind of long already, but we need to close the roof. When we can, when we can, when we can close the roof in the future during day matches when it's yeah. hot and sunny out, hundred percent. If it makes better tennis, I don't want to see matches decided by who doesn't live in Florida. That's not entertaining 100,000%. to me. Hundred thousand percent, and that's what makes what Ben did tonight so special. Is that even in those conditions, even with a crowd that was certainly ready to get behind Tiafo, though again they weren't going to be anti-Ben, but they yeah. were ready to get behind Tiafo to extend this match. Ben hit fifty winners, like fifty winners to Tiafo's thirty-three, and only fourteen of those were aces. And whether yeah. it's the bazooka second serve returns, he just has. I call it Serena Williams Power Tennis Country Club power just that ability to again take the racket out of the hand and be elite and just play on your terms ben can do that against absolutely anyone because he walks onto the court with the biggest weapon on the court and again no one is going to step on a court and be more prepared to battle physically at least on a hard court because the movement's not there yet on clay courts on grass but on a hard court ben's just ready for the battle and these three out of five set matches i think benefit him 
And that's what that's what you've learned. I'll leave it with this. I think that I'm excited to watch him play Djokovic. I'm not saying he can win, yeah. but I'm excited to see him get a shot. In a way that I was frankly not excited to see Tommy Paul play Djokovic in the semis of the Australian Open earlier this year. Because you look at that matchup and there's no real path for Tommy in, in what he yeah. did. Because Djokovic just does everything better than him in a lot of core ways. But but Ben has his own unique value propositions. He goes out there, he hits big lefty serves. And obviously Djokovic has played pretty well against some lefties in the past, notably one from Mallorca. But, you know, this is a different look of player that we haven't seen before. Someone who's 6'4". His forehand grip is continental. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's a different, it's a different, you know, if you're doing the sort of generator of of build a tennis player factory, there's different settings on Ben Shelton than we've seen in a long time in the sport. And you mentioned Shapovalov. Shapovalov is, you know, one-hander, is a lefty also, but not many lefties lately. Not a lefty with this kind of serve. Um, and so I'm excited for it. And and the the chutzpah and the showmanship, you know, seeing him, seeing him, seeing the belief he has, definitely borders on on cockiness sometimes. The way that I enjoy, I know that can be some people don't enjoy that. I I personally enjoy it. I want to see the belief. Love I want to see people be shrinking Hunters. violets out there in a way that I find I don't find him crossing lines and being disrespectful. When he was talking trash about Tony Paul during the match too, <laughs> very clearly into microphones, uh, that was kind of funny. But uh, that was that was about the match. That was about tactics. It wasn't like saying Tommy's. Yeah, that's ugly. what I'm saying. I I have no problem with it. Here's what I will let my last thought for you. Yeah. What's most impressive about Ben Shelton beyond all the tennis and anything else? Kid's 20 years old. Turns 21 in October. Can't legally have a drink yet. He is so unequivocally himself. Like there is no one more confident in their skin. I'm not saying others aren't equal, but no one is more confident being themselves, maybe other than me, than Ben Shelton. Like again, you just know Ben, he's he's who he wants to be. If he's fired up, he's going to show you he's fired up. If he's pissed off, he's going to show you he's a little pissed off. Like, I just think that's what, you know, young Murray I used to gravitate towards. And all these players who, it's just real. It's authentic. They are who they are out on court. Of course, he can make magic happen as well, 140-mile-per-hour bombs. It's all you can ask for as a tennis fan. And again, it's just like you're just scratching the surface. The guy is 20 years old. He is only going to get, you know, again, he his trip to Australia was his first out of the country, like with more experience, with more time, with a full off season to know what he needs to work on. Ceiling's the roof. It's going to be really fun to watch. Ceiling's the roof. Poetic. Yeah, I was looking at his, his ITF junior page and only, only four tournaments on here, including, you know, the, the grade B1 in Nicholasville and the grade four in Boca Raton and played and, and a couple in Plantation uh, in Florida. Yeah. But yeah, but he was totally off radar and seeing what he does as a semi-late bloomer. It also, it also is just great because it also, again, he's, again, the kind of person who I think is kind of lab-built player because he shows the promise of college as a route, the promise of not being someone who was, you know, a four-year-old with a racket in your hand for for eight hours a day, every day of your life. You know, he kind of shows you can, if you, again, if you win this insane genetic lottery that he won uh, in terms of being built the way he is, that you, there is potential uh, for this. So anyway, excited for him. Excited for you, Alex Kreskin. Thank you for being on the show. <laughs> anything you want to plug real quick? Anything people can find you during the U.S. Open? Yeah, a couple of things. Crack Rackets, Mini Break Podcast, Great Shot Podcast for recaps, previews every day. I will tell you, and I know this will make DK upset, and it's a humble brag, but we'll get to the compliment, I promise. <laughs> you know, we buy episodes. <laughs> 
Whatever, I'm just going to say it. We might get more downloads than you nowadays. For me, though, coming on your show, you know, I met DK while I was in this business. For mm-hmm. me, getting the chance to come on your show is like stepping up to the major leagues. So this will always be the major leagues for me, and I always appreciate the chance to get with chat with you. You are far too kind to me with your spare time, and I look forward to pre-ordering the Naomi Osaka book, which listeners can find everywhere now. Do you know, starting today, September 6th, there's a sale. Barnes & Noble website, <laughs> bn.com, is called... Pre-order. I mean, let me find this. Actually, I'll do. I'll do this read on air. One sec. I got sent this, and I'm I'm currently locked out of my Twitter account because it's dumb reasons. I I no one's no one's missing that I haven't tweeted in days. No one's like, are you okay? <laughs> send send a proof of life. I'm not getting that. Unfortunately, people haven't really noticed. Which doesn't Excellent. hurt my feelings but at all. But that's a story for another time. But uh, yeah. Let me see if I can find that. Starting September sixth, three days. Barnes and Noble has a twenty five percent off deal for all pre-order books including Naomi Osaka by Ben Rothenberg comes out January 9th you can go for the next three days and use promo code pre-order 25 it's all one word all caps pre-order 25 uh, and there is a, a link actually I'll put in here in the uh, in the description for direct to, to do that and y'all can do that we're gonna do more on the book and stuff later Will equally you shameless my copy? oh my god of course I'd be honored I'd be honored <laughs> uh... And happy to, I will happily, as we discussed, I'll happily come on and shill it on your place. You can come on my show. We'll talk about it here. We can do whatever you want. Always, That's all always I can ask for. It is a pleasure to get the chance to speak with you, Benny. Thank you very much. No, but as you were saying, it to, to briefly tack on a bit more, setting up you to brag about me more. Um, you were saying <laughs> you used to listen to the show when you were at Michigan, which obviously I'm wearing a Michigan shirt. You were on the North Campus bus, right? This is one of my pastimes. I'm not going to say my mental state, but let's just say there were many tipsy bus rides. Um, So there was my mental state where NCR was like, all right, focus in. Like, just listen to Ben, listen to Courtney, listen to them chat. You're going to get through these spins. You're going to make it back home. You're going to make it to the bed. You're going to be fine. Um, But no, I mean, again, like, you know, I call you in my spare time um, and you always pick up. And I'm immensely grateful for that fact. You are exceptional. It's better when you are a part of the tennis world. We're happy to have you back. Beautiful haircut. Thank you. And beautiful guest on today's show. That too. And go watch Showgirls. <laughs> and we'll see you guys later. <laughs> Bye, folks.